Barzim Vasugin here with you on the Chief Zone Podcast. Thank you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast on iTunes. As always, be sure you subscribe to the podcast anytime a new episode is available. It will be downloaded to your iTunes library. And as always, I love all the interaction with you guys throughout the season. Let's keep it going in the off season. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and search for my Facebook page, Farzine Vasugin. Give it a like and interact with me on there as well. Thank you guys again for listening to this podcast and making me part of your morning, your afternoon, your evening, your weekend, whatever the case may be. Uh, always appreciated as you guys download and listen to the Chief Zone podcast. Hey, we've got a lot to talk about. It's not going to be a long podcast as usual. It is the off season now, unfortunately, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know this past weekend was kind of a hard AFC Championship game for a lot of Chiefs fans to watch because it's the Broncos, a, a, a divisional rival, and then the New England Patriots, a team that ended Kansas City's hot season, really. So uh, it, it was a tough AFC uh, matchup to watch, but I, I, I was pulling for New England. I, you know, you, you, you've got to go against your divisional rival. You, you, you know, it's not Kansas City's or it's not New England's fault that Kansas City's out. I think Kansas City did some things in that game that hurt themselves, as we touched on in this podcast. But overall, you know, the Chiefs did make it to the divisional round, and I think that's a huge step. Winning that playoff game, winning 11 in a row, uh, there's a lot to feel good about with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know this offseason we're going to touch on the free agents for the, for the Chiefs and potential free agents in the market in March. And there are some things that Kansas City needs to, to work on, but looking at the way this talent came together in 2015, it gives me some optimism. Now, there are some things that I I still have concerns about, and I'm not going to touch on that exactly on this podcast. I'm actually going to save it for the next podcast, and I'll uh, I'll tease a little bit what it, what, what it will be about. But as far as everything that's going on with this franchise right now, I feel pretty good as a Chiefs fan. I, I think there is a legitimate shot that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to the postseason back-to-back years for the first time since the mid-to-late 70s when Marty Schottenheimer was a head coach. It's been that long since the Chiefs have gone to the playoffs two years in a row, and you definitely want to change that. We'll touch on all of that in just a moment, but obviously this weekend is the Pro Bowl, and I don't know, are you guys going to watch it? I'm probably going to check it out. Andy Reid is going to be one of the head coaches for the Pro Bowl, which I think is, is a... Is somewhat enticing if you're a Chiefs fan. It'll make you want to watch a little watch watch Andy Reid football one more time uh, before the rest of the winter, and then of course we got the spring, and it's basically the off season at that point. I, I mean, that's really springtime is fully off season mode. The players will come back for OTAs, but after that, it's uh, it's pretty much it, it for for Chiefs fans. So I, I think this is going to be nice for Chiefs fans and all all football fans to be able to watch. Their players, I was going to say their teams, but I guess players from their teams, if they have anyone uh, that they're a fan of in the Pro Bowl one last time before the Super Bowl. And then, of course, that'll conclude the 2015-2016 NFL season. One thing I do want to touch on before we get into the offseason and what Kansas City's roster looks like right now and the players that don't have a contract right now could be free agents in March this came out around uh, Thursday afternoon. This is pretty cool. Travis Kelsey, who of course is, he, he's really turned into my favorite football player. And I think it's unfortunate that he did not play his rookie season because of the ACL injury. He had to wait a year. I mean, t- 2014 was essentially his rookie season. 
But he really got going. And then 2015, he turned into a top-notch tight end, becoming one of the best, and earned his first Pro Bowl ticket, which is great, obviously. And, of course, his dance moves, that, that's, gotten, that's garnered a lot of attention. But some news has come out for Travis Kelsey, and I think it's great because uh, we, 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 we've seen something like this. We have on television. And I'm at a loss of words here because of basically this is a... Well, I'll get to that in a second, but Travis Kelsey is going to have his own reality TV show, and I believe it's called Catching Kelsey, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to double-check on the name of that, but I believe it's called Catching Kelsey. Yes, it's Catching Kelsey on E! And here's the synopsis. Travis Kelsey is looking for his quote-unquote teammate, a.k.a. a girlfriend and a potential wife. So the way this works is <laughs> Travis Kelsey, ha- he, he tweeted this er- er- earlier on Thursday. It- it's getgameonapp.com slash contestants slash TKTD. And again, Travis Kelsey is looking for his lifelong quote-unquote teammate. And he'll be joined by uh, f- famous friends of his, family members to help him all through this. But he's going to have... 50 women, one from each state in the United States, that will be invited to L.A. And Kelsey will search for a special someone to be... I I don't know if there's going to be a proposal in the end. I don't know if they're going to hand out roses. Basically, this is The Bachelor on steroids. Because The Bachelor on ABC is getting screwed over. The Bachelor only gets 25 women, or 25 women if it's The Bachelor... Or 25 men, pardon me, if it's The Bachelorette. Travis Kelsey's getting 50 women. 50! Now listen, I don't know if he's going to do the same things that they do on ABC where they make out with everyone and go in the fantasy suites and God knows what happens after that. But Travis Kelsey's having his own reality. Basically, he he's making himself The Bachelor, which is pretty ironic. I mean, let's be honest. Dudes, come on. Who doesn't want... To be surrounded by 25 beautiful women, or in Travis Kelsey's case, 50 beautiful women. And they say, alright, I, I like this person, this person, this person, and the rest of you go home, I'll decide later. Come on. I, I, I think that's every guest. By the way, The Bachelor, they get paid a lot of money. I, I didn't realize this. I actually know of someone who is friends with a couple of Bachelor contestants. And she had told me that her friends who had been on the show... Uh, one of them, well, one of them was the Bachelorette, and she got paid an enormous amount of money to hand out roses, make out with half the cast, basically, get advice from Chris Harris, who I don't know what, or Chris Harris did, I should say, I'm getting a mix up with uh, Broncos cornerback. I don't know, I'm speechless, Travis Kelsey's getting 50 women. Some people don't even get a chance to date or go out on a date with 50 different women. Travis Kelsey's getting that. Why? Because he's he's a tight end in the NFL. He's a pro bowler. He does sweet dance moves in the end zone after a touchdown. It's got to it's, it's gotta feel good to be Travis Kelsey right now. You know that you're about to see 50 women. It, which, by the way, I, I, since we're on the t- subject, I just want to go on this rant for two seconds. Obviously, women dislike it if their boyfriend's, you know, flinging around with another girl, which I I don't condone. I don't think it's right. But on The Bachelor, if a guy 
is making out and, you know, doing his deal in the fantasy suite with all these other women, that's okay. It's The Bachelor. It's on television. So, and here's the other thing. I don't know what this TV show that Kelsey's doing. I mean, how many of these women are there just for the fame or the fact that he's got money and he's a tight end and a pro bowler? And I, I, I kind of have to ask, I mean, is Kelsey going to favor a woman from Kansas or Missouri if they're a Chiefs fan? Uh, I mean, listen, if you're in Kansas or Missouri, 99% of the population, uh, they're Chiefs fans. I, the Rams are gone, so I, I think people in St. Louis hate the Rams more than ever now. But as far as Kelsey goes, I mean, maybe he'll favor a Chiefs fan, maybe someone who's a Cincinnati fan since that's where he went to college. I, I, I don't know. So the, there you go. For those interested, I'm actually going to watch this uh, more because of the fact that uh, Kelsey is on there. And I think people are hoping that there's going to be some city – praise here that that Kansas City is going to uh, be mentioned a lot or the Chiefs will be mentioned a lot uh, but who, who knows my my mom uh, watches uh, real housewives I don't I, I don't know I know there's like 50 real housewives and I guess Donnie Edwards a former Kansas City chief his wife is on the show and uh, Donnie Edwards made some appearance and my my mom had told me about this and she had saved it on her, on her DVR so I can uh, go over to and, and see it for myself because she wanted me to see it. And they showed Donnie Edwards and they showed him pictures when he was with the Chargers. Not a single moment brought up that he was with the Chiefs. Not cool. Not cool at all. But there you go. Travis Kelsey having his own reality TV show. Check it out if you wish. Uh, we'll, we'll even do a, or a special segment where we recap that. There we go. We'll, we'll, we'll do that here on the podcast. I don't know when it's coming out. I, I haven't looked too much into the details. Uh, but, uh, hey, it's, it's Travis Kelsey, a Chief, it's a Chiefs player, should be entertaining, uh, and it's 50 women fighting over an NFL player, so you know it's going to be like The Bachelor, where there are women, uh, the claws come out, and they're uh, going to uh, fight tooth and nail over this guy, and uh, you, you know how it goes sometimes with uh, women on The Bachelor. I, I've seen the show a couple of times, not a big fan of it, I, I don't know who the hell proposes to someone in two months, uh, based on uh, fake dates that you don't get in in. in real life really but there we go well we'll, we'll talk on it later when uh, when we cross that bridge but as far as the rest of the podcast goes we are gonna go over the chiefs roster right now as uh there are plenty there are a lot of players on this team right now especially on the defensive side of the football that are without a contract for now and looking at really the top four players there are six defensive players that are starters and don't have contracts. Those six players, Eric Berry, Sean Smith, a couple of players in the secondary, that's some of the guys up front with your linebacking corp. You've got Derek Johnson, you've got Tom Bahali. Up front, you've got Mike DeVito, a defensive end, who's played really well during his time as a chief, with the exception of one year when he was injured uh, in week one. Uh, trying to see who the other... Oh, and the other player, Jay Howard, the other starter, a guy who's... Uh, been splitting time with Dontari Poe in the middle of that defensive line. Jay Howard, another guy who's uh, without a contract right now. But it's not just those six starters on the defense. Hussein Abdullah and Tyvon Branch, the, si- the safeties, uh, they were non-primary starters. However, they played a lot. Branch played more when Abdullah was absent with an injury late in the season. And Abdullah saw a lot of playing time in a couple of starts early on as they tried to ease Eric Berry back into his starting role. It, t- it took Eric Berry some time, but uh, you know they were patient with him, 
tried to ease him back because, of course, everything he had went through with, with, with uh, defeating cancer and all that chemo, uh, they wanted to gradually bring him back. And I think the Chiefs did a fantastic job. And you saw Eric Berry had a really wonderful season uh, this year, one of the best safeties. Looked like his old form. I, I think there were some concerns about that. And we saw the true Eric Berry that we've all been used to seeing for for basically every, his Tennessee years. I was going to say his rookie year in Kansas City when he got drafted in 2010, but really it's been ever since his Tennessee years. He's played at such a high, prolific level. Uh, and this is the same Eric Berry that we saw at Tennessee or in 2010 when he was a rookie here. And right now, he's set to be a free agent pending a possible contract until uh, March. So that's something that you've got to be curious about. In terms of the way this defense looks right now, and again, I'm, I'm considering the guys who don't have a contract. You don't have Mike DeVito at left defensive end. Jay Howard not there at nose tackle, but you do have Dontari Poe. And I'll say this. A lot of people will say, let Jay Howard walk. We've got Dontari Poe. Sure, I mean, Dontari Poe didn't necessarily have the Pro Bowl type of season that we saw from him the past couple of years, but Dontari Poe still plays at a very high level. However, the thing with the NFL, especially these days in the NFL, you cannot just have one key guy and then have a backup or, or, or two backups behind this player. You've got to ha- fill up your team with depth and with how offenses are so crazy in the NFL, especially with the video game-like passing league that the NFL is today. You're going to need this defense to stay intact as much as possible. I think Kansas City is one of the better equipped defenses in the NFL along with the Denver Broncos. And I'll give Denver the edge because they they do they do have pro bowlers really all over that defense. And so does Kansas City, but I think Denver is just a step or two ahead of the Chiefs with their defense. The thing with Kansas City is, well, let me just say this about defenses in general. You've got to have a strong pass rush, which Kansas City has. You've got to have strong line, inside linebackers, and Kansas City has that. And Derek John, well, for, or at least maybe not right now because he's not under contract. Uh, but Josh Mago, who I think, did a really good job last year filling in for DJ, and then this year playing alongside DJ. Uh, Josh Mago really flourished uh, under Andy Reid's defense. Uh, and, of course, Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator, uh, in 2015. So I think Josh Manga had a really good season. I don't know if I'd call it a breakout season, uh, but it's hard to break out when you're already surrounded by so many pro bowlers on this defense. But a lot of players still still shined. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is still room to shine on this defense, even though you have what? Uh, Eric Berry, who's a pro bowler. Marcus Peters, who's going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, and he's also a pro bowler. Sean Smith, who is an incredibly underrated safety in the NFL. You've got Hussein Abdullah and Tyvon Branch, who both have uh, filled in. Abdullah has done great the past couple of years with the Chiefs, and Tyvon Branch really came along when he got more playing time and filled in for Abdullah, like, like I said uh, a couple minutes ago with, with Abdullah's injury. And then you look at the linebackers, Tom Bahali, Derek Johnson, Justin Houston. I, I don't really need to go on about that. Uh, D Ford, I, I, I've got to throw him in the mix because he was a pleasant surprise this year. We finally started to see the D Ford that John Dorsey saw when he drafted him in 2014. And then the defensive line, Dontari Poe, yes, he's a pro bowler, but don't discount 
Alan Bailey and Jay Howard. I mean, those are guys who have also been a big factor in Kansas City's defense the past couple of years. Alan Bailey, of course, got that contract extension last year, so he's locked up for a couple of more years. And there's a reason for that. Alan Bailey's done a really great job with the de- this defense up front, being able to help provide a pass rush and also stop the run. Mike DeVito, who's one of the better run do- run stopping. Three, four defensive ends in the NFL. He's been able to do that ever since he came to Kansas City in 2013. Of course, coming in with Bob Sutton, who was also from the New York Jets. So you definitely want to keep... This is a very talented defense. And like I said about Josh Maga, I, I don't know if, 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 I, if I can say he had a breakout season because it's hard to break out when there are so many talented players around you. But he still did a great job considering... Listen, he's not the only guy on this defense. There are 11 guys, all who I I think are really great players. I'll throw Ron Parker in there too, who I think I I was surprised with the contract offer that he got and, of course, accepted like anyone would. But he really came through this season. I, I think he really helped out, and I think he... Learned his mistakes last year at cornerback, but when he shifted to safety, he saw a little bit more success there, and this year as well. And I think that's one that uh, you've got to feel good about with with Ron Parker staying here for a couple of more years. Uh, So again, Josh Maga, again, not a a breakout season, but considering that everyone else on this defense, all 11 starters, and then a couple of other guys that are active in rotation – uh, everyone has a hand in, in the, the defense's success. So Josh Maga did his thing when, again, the, there's just so much room uh, for success, for, for sacks, interceptions, all these big stats for the rest of the defense. So I'll give Josh Maga the credit he's due. I think he's really uh, a similar linebacker to Derek Johnson. I think he just doesn't get that recognition nationally because you've got you've already got a Derek Johnson. And, and then Houston and Holly, of course, are primary uh, they're pro bowl guys of course in the nfl uh so there's a lot of talent on this defense and to have devito howard johnson holly barry smith wow a lot of players that are up for grabs and may not be coming back i I think a majority of these guys will be back and i did say in the last podcast and i'll touch on that right now i said i've got an idea for what the chiefs and tom bahali could do in terms of a possible contract agreement and what kind of a role he'd have. Let's not forget one thing. Tom Bahali took a pay cut this past offseason to stay in Kansas City. And in a radio interview he did with 610 Sports Radio, he said, listen, we've, we've got to get Justin Houston signed. I'll, I'll take lots of money to stay here and, and be successful with this team. I don't want to go anywhere else. He wanted to stay with this Chiefs team. And that says a lot about a guy like him. And a lot of people uh, fell more in love with Tom Bahali for what he did, taking a pay cut and staying in Kansas City. So and the reason I make a big deal out of that, you know there is no ego with Tom Bahali. You know money's not a factor for him. He'll take a little bit less to stay. So with that said, the thing with Tom Bahali is he's a guy that, didn't practice a lot during the week, and, and that's nothing out of the ordinary. As Therese Paylor said here on the podcast, and as we've known throughout the season, uh, that's been the protocol for for the Chiefs this year to keep Tom Bahali out of practice for one of the games, have him kind of limited or maybe even not even practice. Uh, he'll be 32 at the start. Of, he turned 32 in November, so he'll turn 33 in November of next season. So it's not like he's an aging linebacker by all means. I mean, this is a guy who's still probably a couple of years away from retirement. He's going to be in his uh, 
10th season in the NFL, or in his 11th season, I should say. So this is a guy who you definitely want to keep on your team. I think the Chiefs could get him for a for a low price. Again, he took a pay cut this past year, so money is probably not a big deal for Tom Bahali. He's a logical guy. He understands the business. And with D. Ford and how he did in a couple of games stepping up, uh, filling in for Justin Houston's shoes, and also with Tom Bahali when he had his thumb surgery, had to be limited for a bit, D. Ford continued to come through for the Kansas City Chiefs. So why not continue... Your your dominance with Justin Houston on one side and D Ford on the other, and listen, it's not like you forget about Tom Bahali. Like I said uh, earlier in the podcast today, you need depth in the NFL. You cannot just have eleven starters and say these are your starters, and then you've got a couple backups. Injuries are part of the game. Injuries are part of sports. I've said that tons of times throughout the season when the Chiefs have had to go through basically overcome the biggest injury on their team with Jamal Charles and then losing Justin Houston for five games and then Tom Bahali, your your next best player, who's out for for a little bit as well. So the Chiefs, if they can bring back Tom Bahali, have him be a backup and be an occasional guy who rotates with Houston's position on, on the left side or Holly's position on the right side, I think that's the best role for Tom Bahali. Bring him back for two years, and again, you could probably get him for $2 million. I think I think that's a logical price for Tom Bahali, two years, $2 million. Maybe he would even take $1.5 million, who knows? I'm not going to get into the specifics because I'm not the agent. I'm not John Dorsey. I'll let those guys handle that, but I think they can get him for that kind of a price. And again, he can be a guy who fills in on occasion, comes in maybe on third down or or second down, or if someone's injured, then he becomes the primary guy and steps up. So I think that would be an amazing role for Tom Bahali. And then you still have Justin Houston who's going to be here for five more years. You've got D. Ford, a young guy who, if he continues this, you try to lock him up long term. Uh, And listen, I think with with that, you'll be set for, for another good three, four years for having elite pass rush. This Kansas City team, I think, is going to be successful for a long time because of this pass rush with Justin Houston and hopefully D. Ford if he can stay uh, long-term here in Kansas City and Tom Bahali if he can come back for a couple of more years. That's going to help the defensive backs on this football team. And let's not forget about the defensive line, too. Dontari Poe, he's a guy who helps out the outside linebackers when he draws offensive multiple offensive linemen to be double teamed and still manages to get through from time to time that allows holly and houston sometimes it's just one at one or the other sometimes it's both of them at the same time they just have one-on-one against an offensive tackle and nine times out of ten houston and holly will win that battle and guess what happens next the quarterback's on the ground for a sack or is pushed down because of a quarterback pressure and it's an incomplete pass or an ill-advised pass that turns into an interception with the with the Cornerbacks and safeties you have on this team, Marcus Peters, Eric Berry, who I think is going to, I don't think they're going to bring the franchise tag with him. If they have to, they'll do it, and then they'll agree to something long-term. I think the franchise tag's got to be used on Eric Berry or Sean Smith. I I, I know Sean Smith, he, he's not an old guy by all means, but let's not lose the guy either. I mean, this is a guy who helped Marcus Peters flourish. We heard so many stories, and I heard Ron Parker talk about this on Sirius XM NFL Radio about how 
Marcus Peters learned a lot from Sean Smith in uh, OTAs, in training camp, in the preseason, and that carried over to the regular season. Let's not forget, Marcus Peters, uh, that sensational rookie season he had, the first defensive play for the Chiefs. It was a Marcus Peters pick inside the red zone. I think it was inside the five-yard line, and the Chiefs got a touchdown right away from that in week one against the Houston Texans. So this is a this is a secondary that I'd hate to see fall apart. Again, I, I really would love to see Sean Smith come back. I think Eric Berry will return uh, to Kansas City. And I think with the personal things, everything he's gone through and the support he's had, I think that's part of it. But I, the, the, the Chief, aside from that, too, the Chiefs are going to want to keep this guy. I mean, this is a prolific safety that you cannot replace. Absolutely. You, you cannot replace this guy. Now, you've got to also consider Hussein Abdullah and Tyvon Branch, as I mentioned. Uh, guys who had filled in. Uh, Abdullah played more uh, snaps early on because of Eric Berry gradually coming back. And Tyvon Branch, uh, when Abdullah got injured, Tyvon Branch got some playing time. Now, the reality is you're not going to be able to bring back every single player that's a free agent, unfortunately. So with this, I, I looked online to see you know who, who are some players that are uh, going to be possible free agents in March. And as far as three four pass rushers, uh, some guys up front at defensive end, there's Muhammad Wilkerson, who's going to be 27 years old with the Jets, had 12 sacks and two forced fumbles. He's had 36 and a half career sacks in five years in his NFL career, a very young guy, and probably still has a lot left in the tank, too, so I think he'd be a good fit if you need to replace someone on this defense. Uh, Olivier Vernon from the Miami Dolphins, very young player, 25 years old, had seven and a half sacks this year, 29 sacks in four years. Now, here's the thing to keep in mind, he had very limited snaps in his rookie season in 2012, didn't play much, so had he played a lot in his rookie season, he probably would have had somewhere about 35 to 40 sacks in four years, which would have been, which still speaks volumes for how good he is for Vernon. And hopefully, if he does become available, hopefully the Chiefs target him because I think he's one of the underrated guys, maybe playing in Miami. He doesn't get that right. Anytime you're playing for a team that just cannot find wins, those players get overlooked. And not many people are aware of those players. I mean, they're they're basically in the background. Not, not, many, not many people are aware of them. Robert Ayers from the New York Giants. Kind of an older guy, 31 years old. Nine and a half sacks, four pass deflections, two forced fumbles, all career highs. He's never had more than that in any of those three categories in a single season. So he had, he's coming off the best season of his career. Could he carry that over in Kansas City where he's going to be surrounded by good coaches? I think that's something to think about for, for a guy like Robert Ayers if he becomes available and not retained by the Giants. Outside linebackers, again, Tom Bahali, he's going to be, he could be a free agent. Same with Frank Zamba, who filled in a little bit this year. Uh, Von Miller, he'll be 27, 11 sacks and four first forced fumbles. He was compared to Derek Thomas coming out of Alabama, but uh, I, I don't think the Denver Broncos are going to let go of this guy. They've got Shane Ray, they've got DeMarcus Ware, kind of similar to Kansas City when you have, sure, two starters and Justin Houston and Tom Bahali, then you have D Ford, who, who who filled in on occasion and did well, I think Denver wants to keep up that same kind of uh, success with the defense and not uh, not let a, a guy like Von Miller go. 
Other guys who could be available, though, more realistically, Bruce Irvin from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, that Legion of Boom, the secondary, sure, they get a lot of the attention, but uh, there are some other pieces on that defense that, that has helped this Seahawks team find success, too. Uh, Irvin, uh, 28 years old, uh, for next season, he had five and a half sacks and a forced fumble this year. Courtney Upshaw from the Ravens. The uh, Ravens didn't have such a hot year. Upshaw, though, I think he's got a lot of upside. Uh, a pair of sacks and a pair of forced fumbles. Uh, something that that kind of catches my attention with Mike Neal from the Packers. Uh, there's a Dorsey connection there. And listen, we all know that not just in the NFL, but in in, in any job, connections are uh, are a thing now. Uh, if if you know of someone who you worked for before, maybe he'll bring you over and hire you if you need a job. So I think John Dorsey might even look to to a guy like Mike Neal, who he drafted in 2010 or, or was part of the front office when he was drafted, I should say. Uh, he had four sacks and a forced fumble this year, has had 19 career sacks, started on occasion throughout his career, 28 starts in his last three years. He's been playing a lot more for the Packers, and it'll it'll be interesting. I, I know Mike McCart- McCarthy's not too happy with, uh, with the direction of the Packers and what they're doing. And there was an article about that uh, a couple of days ago, earlier this week. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. This, this one's kind of interesting. Dwight Freeney, who's been... Very successful in his career. Very decorated career. Uh, Had eight sacks and three forced fumbles with the Cardinals in 11 games. Didn't start a game this year. Uh, Has 119.5 sacks and 47 forced fumbles throughout his career. He'll be 36 to start next season. So I think that's something to keep an eye on as well with the age there. Uh, inside linebackers, again, we mentioned Derek Johnson, who, who, of course, is the leading tackler in franchise history. Danny Trevathan uh, from the Denver Broncos. And it's going to be tough for Denver because they, they've already got Von Miller, who's going to who's without a contract. And Danny Trevathan is another guy who the Broncos really value. He led the team in tackles with 109, had two picks this year for the team, Rolando McLean from the Cowboys, he might be available. Vincent Ray from the Bengals led them in tackles with 98 this season. A very strong defense with that Bengals team, and that would be a big benefit for the Chiefs to have him play. Uh, bring back Derek Johnson and also have Josh Monga in the mix along with Vincent Ray. I think that would be very good as well. Uh, this one m- might impress and uh, probably uh, a lot of people locally would favor uh, a former Mizzou product, Sean Witherspoon. He'll be 28 years old. He's played for the Cardinals. Had a lot of 11 tackles in 14 games, uh, so didn't play a whole lot this year. He once had 115 tackles in a single season. That was in 2011, his second year in the NFL. So you know there is potential with Witherspoon. Uh, maybe it's a system that he's got to be with. Maybe, maybe a better trainer and trying to overcome a nagging injury. That's something to consider as well. Cornerbacks. Uh, listen, you're going to, I think Marcus Peters really improved this year. He had eight picks, which ties for, uh, the best in the NFL this year. Now he was scored on eight times, which is the most of any defensive back. But he did improve as the season went on. Uh, Marcus Peters did struggle with his coverage early on, but did improve as the season went on. Now, the schedule was easy, but you can only play who's on your schedule and, and beat who you can beat. And Ron Parker did his or pardon me, Peters did his job when he needed to. Now, if Sean Smith ha- happens to not be retained, and if he's let go, the Chiefs have got to find a strong cornerback to play opposite of Peters. Josh Norman 
from the Panthers. Twenty-eight year, he'll be twenty-eight. He'll, he'll of course play in his first Super Bowl. Played in sixteen games for the first time in his career, and also got his first Pro Bowl nod. Uh, but obviously, will not play this week since he's got a bigger game to prepare for. He had four interceptions for 110 yards. Half of his picks resulted in defensive touchdowns. Also had three forced fumbles. If you're a cornerback and you're forcing three fumbles this year, that goes a long way with the defense. And I do think he's retained by the Panthers. But listen, a lot of times, look at the Kansas City Royals who won the World Series. They weren't able to retain all of their guys, especially guys who they acquired during the season, like Johnny Cueto and Ben Zobras, and I know baseball is a completely different animal than the NFL, but still, in every sport, there's been a case where a team's won a championship, but they don't, they're do not they not able to retain every single key guy, so if the Panthers win a Super Bowl, listen, guys like Josh Norman might ask for more money, and maybe, or, or, or maybe not, the Panthers probably might not be able to afford it, you never know in those situations, and if that's the case, They'll either franchise him or Norman could become available. You never know. Uh, Adam Jones uh, from the Bengals, he had a, a couple of really good seasons with the Titans. And then, of course, got a little bit of trouble off the field. Maybe not a little bit, maybe more than that. Got in some trouble. Uh, but still, a very good cornerback. One of the highly better cornerbacks. Uh, he'll be 32. A veteran, but a good leader. Uh, and one of the better cornerbacks and doesn't get a whole lot of attention as much. Uh, it seems like he had three picks in each of his last three years. So, you know, he's going to come away with some takeaways. And so will the rest of the, the this, Chief, this Chiefs defense, because there are players all over who, who are capable of that. Leon Hull, also from the Bengals, also in his 30s. He'll be 31, had a pair of picks, 26 career interceptions. He's averaging close to three interceptions per year. He had six in 2009, and this is a player who, who's, again, doesn't get a lot of interceptions, but a very good cover guy, and that's what you need in the NFL. Number one, sure, you want those interceptions, but number one, they've got to be good cover guys. A couple of safeties to consider. Eric Weddle, who uh, a veteran who could come in, no picks, but played really good cover safety as the season went on. Will Allen, 34 years old, another guy, seven interceptions uh, in the 12 years he's played, uh, but good, good cover safety from Will Allen. George Ioka, maybe another guy uh, coming in from the Bengals. Reggie Nelson, also from the Bengals, had eight interceptions this year, the best he's at in a single season. A lot of Cincinnati Bengals are available, too, especially on the defensive side, and that could really hurt this Bengals team as the offense was great with Andy Dalton uh, before his injury, but that defense really did a lot this year for the Bengals, and we might see a completely different defense unless they're able to retain a lot of their guys. Cincinnati and Kansas City are in a very similar boat when it comes to defensive guys trying to retain them and bring them back. Now, as far as the offensive side of the football goes, there is only one starter that's without a contract, and that's Jeff Allen. I think I think Eric Fisher, he improved as the season went on. We, we didn't really hear much about him, and generally that's a good thing with offensive linemen. Ben Grubbs did not play very well this year at all. This is, this is a guy that I think was a disappointment for the Chiefs. The Chiefs got him for cheap because of the Saints. Uh, the Saints were a mess this past year, and in the offseason too, because of uh, cap, cap issues, so they had to trade away. Uh, one of the best tight ends in the NFL and Jimmy Graham to the Seattle Seahawks. And then they have to trade Ben Grubbs, a two-time Pro Bowler, who was a Pro Bowler w- once with the Saints and also uh, made the Pro Bowl as a Raven, too, in 2011. Uh, but 
started the first seven games, allowed four sacks, never penalized. Uh, still uh, not the Pro Bowl kind of guard we were expecting this year, and his season did end a little early. Donald Stevenson, who is without a contract, he started some games this year for the Chiefs. Uh, hasn't been great since coming out of Oklahoma. Just hasn't been a very good offensive lineman in the NFL. His days as a Chief could be numbered unless the Chiefs see something in him that we may not be seeing. Now, is there any room for Jason Avant? Chris Conley really stepped up as the season went on uh, for the Chiefs. And he came through in the postseason on the same drive when Macklin went down with an injury. He scored on a touchdown right there to help the Chiefs extend their lead and put that playoff game away. Albert Wilson, he showed a lot of flashes this year. His speed was huge. And we saw that at the end of last year when he was a, a an undrafted free agent and really came along late in the season when Dwayne Bowe was not doing much. Uh, and Albert Wilson came through more this year, got in the end zone a couple of times, and this is a player whose speed can really destroy a defense uh, if, if he can find a weak point and burn them. Uh, Albert Wilson, uh, he's one of the faster wideouts you'll get in the NFL. Uh, again, maybe not necessarily the strongest or one of the bigger threats at wideout, but if kind of similar to Dante Hall, if he can find a crease or a crack, and just get through that secondary, next thing you know, he's wide open, and no one's ahead of him to stop him, except for a bunch of fans behind the end zone that are going to put their arms up and celebrate when he gets there for the score. Now, the Chiefs could even go the route of finding a young, talented wide receiver so they could look for a wide out through the draft. There was some talks that the Chiefs were looking at Braxton Miller from Ohio State, uh, Conley and Wilson. I, I, here's what I think could happen. You've got Jeremy Macklin, of course, who had a really great season. One, one of the t- he's a, he was a top ten wideout this year in the NFL. If you have another key wideout that's starting opposite of him, then you've got Travis Kelsey, your reality TV star now. So you've got Jeremy Macklin, a, another potential key wideout opposite of of him, and Jamal Charles. And let's not forget. Or pardon me, I meant to say Travis Kelsey. And then I meant to say, let's not forget about Jamal Charles, who will be coming back. Sharkandrick West, if he's retained, he's without a contract right now. Spencer Ware, who who is under contract, who is expected to be back for 2016. And listen, this is an offense where Alex Smith will throw the ball a lot to the running backs. And he's got a lot of running backs to throw to. That offense, and by the way, I forgot to mention, with that mix right there... You can have Conley and Albert Wilson active. That's a very good offense, and I'll take that. And I think what you've got to do this offseason when it comes to bringing in offensive players, what can you do to help Alex Smith? You have Travis Kelsey and Jeremy Macklin, a strong tight end wide receiver duo. So you're set right there. But let's get a, let's get a good number two wide, wide receiver. Now, maybe you have that in Chris Conley. We don't know yet. We haven't seen Chris Conley that much to be able to judge him and say that he could be a quality number two wideout. Maybe he continues to be a guy who's active as a slot guy, and you have someone opposite of him who comes in and compliments Jeremy Macklin at the left wide receiver spot. You've got to have a lot of targets for a guy like Alex Smith, so that way he can go go out there, work with these guys, and move the ball a lot. Because this is it's a West Coast offense; it's a highly passing offense. Now, I do want to say one thing about Jamal Charles, and I think Jamal Charles he's a guy who who will understand this, and I think I'd be more than happy to see this happen with him. 
I don't need to see a 1,000-yard rusher in Jamal Charles. I don't care about that. Listen, in the NFL, there is no such thing as a down-for-down running back anymore. Every running back needs help, and they've got to have backups come in to help relieve them so they can be on the on, on the sidelines for a play or two, maybe even more than that, maybe a series, so that way they can get a breather before they come back in. These These defenses hit very hard in the NFL these days. So I don't need to see a 1,000-yard season from Jamal Charles. And if he does, that's great. I'm not going to complain about that. But you've got Sharkandrick West, if he comes back, and Spencer Ware. You've got two good running backs who played well together filling in for Jamal. And listen, Jamal is a very irreplaceable player. But when you have two guys that fill in for his role, that was impressive to see from West and Ware. And if you have Jamal Charles and Weston Ware behind him, this kind of reminds me of the potential that we could have seen with Larry Johnson and Priest Holmes and possibly Derek Blaylock had he stayed in 2004 and 2005. That could have been a really good rushing attack had Derek Blaylock stayed and Priest Holmes stayed healthy. So you really want to see that success continue with the running rushing attack because... If Alex Smith needs to go for a quick target, if he can't find anyone, you've got your running backs nearby or your tight end in Kelsey. And I think that's the beauty of this offense here. A lot of players coming back. You've you've got Jamal Charles, Travis Kelsey, and Jeremy Macklin, your running back, tight end, and wideout. Now you've got to bring in another wideout to help complement this offense. And then you've got some key backups that you should be using with Chuck Hendrick West, again, if he comes back, and Spencer Ware. Now, I want to go back to the question, if there's any room for Jason Avant, and the reason I ask that, uh, not because he had a the, the better receiving game in, in, the playoff, in the last playoff game against the Patriots out of anyone else on the team, no. Not because of that. I think it's more due to the fact that Jason Avant has played for Andy Reid for a really long time. Now, in terms of potential free agents, I do want to talk about the quarterback position because Chase Daniel will be available, and maybe he follows Doug Peterson to Philadelphia. And there are not a lot of good quarterbacks for free agency this year. You've got Sam Bradford with Philadelphia, and again, because you've got a new head coach in Peterson, he may not be retained. you got Matt Hasselbeck, who showed some good games and then some bad games so you're you're uncertain with him especially with the fact that he's going to be 40 Matt Schaub used to have a good career Matt Ryan Fitzpatrick he's more of a number two guy at this point Matt Castle he started and has seen a little bit of success one of them being here in Kansas City the other being in New England but was a journeyman this year in the NFL Mike Vick kind of the same story he's had a little bit of success but not lately in his career I don't think he'd come here I I, I think if the Chiefs wanted to bring in Mike Vick and have an Andy Reid Mike Vick reunion in in Kansas City. I think they would have already had done that by now, but um, instead of the Chiefs, uh, or, or maybe even Mike Vick, decided to not do that. But I will say this. Here's what's interesting with free agent quarterbacks. And I, considering with the Broncos in the Super Bowl right now, this could really take a, an interesting turn this offseason. I, I, I don't know yet. Brock Osweiler and Kirk Cousins are free agents this year. Kirk Cousins, of course, filled in for RG3 and... Listen, I, I don't care if it's a bad division. You've got to take advantage of bad divisions, which is what the Redskins did. And Kirk Cousins had a fairly good season. Didn't necessarily translate that into the playoffs when the, you had better competition, but still, uh, you did what you needed to do to take your team to the postseason. Brock Osweiler, he's also 
set to be a free agent. But before that happens, the Broncos have to play in the Super Bowl. And if the Broncos do win the Super Bowl, there's basically no doubt in everyone's mind that Peyton Manning will finally hang it up and retire. And Peyton Manning, NFL Films caught his audio when he was uh, talking to Bill Belichick after the game in the AFC title game saying, hey, look, this might be my last rodeo. So if he does retire, what happens to Brock Osweiler? Because he did fi- he did help the team win a few games this year, and he could demand some money from the Denver Broncos. Or do they let him go? And then there's a big question mark under center because the Broncos are going to be picking either 31st or 32nd in the draft. So finding a good quality quality quarterback might not be easy for the Broncos unless they trade up. And on top of that, if Peyton Manning retires, and if Brock Osweiler is demanding too much money, who are you going to go after? Sam Bradford? Matt Hassel by Matt Schaub? Castle? Fitzpatrick? I mean, this is a team that's they're going to want to remain competitive, especially with that talented defense. When you have that kind of a defense, and that's why I really hope Kansas City can continue to do this too because they have a similar defense, you don't want to waste a season when you have an elite defense. If you don't have an offense, if you don't have a guy under center that can take control, and I think it's going to be interesting to finally see what what a Broncos team could look like without Peyton Manning. We kind of wondered that with the Colts, but Peyton Manning was injured one year. Then they draft Andrew Luck, and the Colts have been good since then with the exception of this past year when Andrew Luck was injured. So, life after Peyton Manning, we don't really know what that's like for the Colts or the Broncos because those uh, the Colts still fa- found success when they had luck, and... The Broncos, well, I guess we could find out sooner rather than later. Now, as far as the free agents, the Chiefs need a quality backup quarterback. And I'd like to see Mike Vick, but like I said, I think the Chiefs would have done that by now because Mike Vick had been available a couple of times since Andy Reid came to Kansas City. So it's possible the Chiefs may go with Aaron Murray as a backup quarterback. They did sign... Tyler Bray to a two-year contract extension right before the season started and put him on the uh, NFL non-injury list. So I don't know what's going on with that. Obviously, the Chiefs see something in a guy like Tyler Bray, and we don't see that quite yet because Tyler Bray hasn't even taken a regular season snap, nor has Aaron Murray. Wide receivers that could be available... Anquan Bolden, he'll be 35 uh, from the 49ers, had 69 catches for 789 yards and four touchdowns. Malcolm Floyd from the Chargers, he'll be 34. Uh, someone who the Chiefs could take from the AFC West, 30 receptions, 561 yards, and had three catches. He averaged 18.7 yards per reception, which is very high, and something the Chiefs could use uh, to help move the chains. Uh, I kind of wonder about Percy Harvin's, uh, Percy Harvin, pardon me, uh, from the Bills, his career has gone downhill the last three years with the Seahawks uh, and then being traded to the Jets and also playing for the Bills. Did not live up to expectations in Minnesota, but still he produced. His first four years with Minnesota, he had 280 catches, 3,300 yards, and 20 touchdowns. In the last three years after leaving Minnesota, 71 catches significantly Fewer catches, 718 yards, and only two touchdowns. That's 18 fewer touchdowns than what he had 
with Minnesota. The reason I'm making a big deal out of Percy Harvin is that his head coach in Minnesota, Brad Childress. Where is Brad Childress? Well, he's one of the co-offensive coordinators for the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe Percy Harvin could rejuvenate his career right here in Kansas City if he reunites with the guy who was his head coach in Minnesota, now the offensive coordinator of Kansas City. That's something to keep an eye on because when you go back to an old coach who helped who helped you produce, that might be the best and only option for you at this rate. If I had to put down money right now, I would say Percy Harvin for sure would be signed by the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, if he stays, that's another story. Of course, you've got to go through OTAs and then go through training camp in the preseason. But I think Percy Harvin does get it shot and will be signed this offseason. That is one of my bigger predictions for the Chiefs this year in the offseason. Other possible wideouts that are uh, that could be available, Alshon Jeffrey, very young wideout. He'll be 25 next year, uh, has seen a lot of good seasons with the Bears. Uh, 54 catches this year for 807 yards and four touchdowns. He's really been a monster, especially when Brandon Marshall was playing opposite of him. When you have two elite wide receivers that are both catching for 1,000 yards like Jeffrey and Marshall did for a couple of times with the Bears, and of course Marshall did move on with the Jets, but still... Alshon Jeffrey has a lot of talent, and that Bears team, that offense is not very good, and he could use a better quarterback and a better system. And listen, Jay Cutler, I think, had a better season this year, but still, that Bears team was very limited in success this year. And with Adam Gase gone, uh, moving on to Miami as a head coach, things might be wide open for him. Marvin Jones from the Bengals, another Bengals player. Mohamed Sanu also, by the way, available. So a couple of more wide receivers. Uh, Marvin Jones had caught 65 passes for 800, uh, 816 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Travis Benjamin from the Browns, again, uh, played for a team that he's in the Pro Bowl, but still, uh, he's he's kind of an unknown still to a lot of people because he's with the Browns. Almost had 1,000 yards this season. Five touchdowns off 68 receptions, uh, close to 1,000 yards again. Uh, James Jones from the Packers, he's 32. Again, a John Dorsey connection there. Uh, drafted him in 2007, had 50 receptions for 890 yards and 8 touchdowns for the Packers. He stepped up big for Jordy Nelson when he was injured, former Kansas State Wildcat, of course. Uh, Ruben Randall from the Giants, uh, 25 years old, 797 yards and 8 touchdowns. That's a career high for Ruben Randall and... There are some good wideouts that the Chiefs could bring in, have opposite of Macklin, and then have behind him. Now, a couple tight ends. I don't want to stress this too much because the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey, and I think Demetrius Harris, he could be a key guy as a backup coming back. But in case he's gone, I think the Chiefs need a number two tight end because this is a this is an offense that feeds off passes to running backs and tight ends as well. It's a tight end friendly kind of offense. And Alex Smith loves throwing to tight ends. It had a great relationship on the field with Vernon Davis, and he's doing the same thing with Travis Kelsey. Speaking of Vernon Davis, he could be one of the available tight ends with the Broncos and 49ers combined, had 38 catches for 395 yards and no touchdowns. So kind of a rough season for Vernon Davis, uh, but maybe he could rejuvenate his career if he reunites with Alex Smith. Dwayne Allen and Kobe Fleener, both in their mid to late 20s, who could come to Kansas City. I mean, they... they, uh, Catch occasionally, Kobe Fleener had more this year. He had 54 receptions, whereas Dwayne Allen had just 16. Uh, but both good blocking tight ends, too. Uh, Jermaine Gresham from the Cardinals didn't play a whole lot, but could be a guy the Chiefs consider. 
Antonio Gates, this is interesting because he had 56 catches, 630 yards, and five touchdowns. Uh, but the older he gets, he's been dealing with so many injuries. And the thing with Antonio Gates is he'll be 35, too. That's another thing to keep in mind. Had he been healthy, he probably could have creeped up to Tony Gonzalez and had taken all of his records, uh, touchdowns, yards, and catches, which Gronk is probably going to end up doing, and Tony Gonzalez has admitted that, too. Mercedes Lewis from the Jaguars, by the way, another tight end to consider for the Chiefs. Offensive lineman, the Chiefs could really use a right tackle and find someone better because uh, I don't know if you'll get the job done with Ja Reed. Donald Stevenson hasn't been great this year. A couple of guys to look for. On the free agent market, Don Barclay from the Packers. John Dorsey connection once again. One of the last players John Dorsey drafted. However, he allowed 10.5 sacks this year. Was penalized just once. Andre Smith might be good from the Bengals. Three sacks allowed. A Pro Bowl tackle. Uh, Penalized quite a lot though. Nine times this year. So that might be a bit of a concern there. Uh, There are not a lot of good available right tackles this year though. Joe Barksdale from the Chargers. Uh, allowed eight sacks and eight penalties. Mitchell Schwartz from the Browns allowed ten sacks and was penalized four times. So not a lot of great right tackles. Now there are some good left tackles that could make the switch to right tackle if they'd be open to it. Russell Okung, 28 years old to start the 2016 season, had allowed just four sacks and was penalized six times. Cordy Glenn from the Bills, he'll be 26. He surrendered just four and a half sacks and had committed five penalties. So those are better options, but could they succeed if they make the shift from left to right tackle? It's easier for some offensive linemen, harder for others, so you never know with that regard. So there it is. That's your Chiefs offseason preview right now. It's going to be a challenge for the Kansas City Chiefs because they've got a lot of players, good players, that could hit the free agent market, more so on the defensive side of the ball. But you've got to find a way to retain those guys. And as far as the offense goes, there's a lot of room for improvement on that offense. And if John Dorsey and the rest of that front office, if they can come together and come up with a good game plan to execute this offseason, bring in guys to help Alex Smith, bring a little bit better protection, and a couple, uh, maybe maybe just one more pass catcher could do the trick. And if you bring back Sharkandrick West, listen, what is there not to be excited about if you have Macklin, Kelsey, another number two wideout, Jamal Charles, and then as far as backups go, Sharkandrick West, Spencer Ware, Chris Conley, Albert Wilson. I'd love that offense. And I know Alex Smith is not the greatest quarterback in the world, but he can still help you find a lot of success. And if he's got the blocking with him, he'll definitely get it done. And the defense, listen, keep that pass rush alive and continue to have good players on the defensive line and in the secondary. Because elite cor- elite sec- elite defensive backs, if they have elite pass rushers to work with, they just become even scarier. And there's nothing an offense can do to stop that. So you definitely want Marcus Peters to play alongside a good cornerback in Sean Smith. Hopefully he stays. And hopefully Eric Berry r- returns. Because then that defense... It'll be a threat for a long, long time. And that's going to feel good for Chiefs fans. Now, a little bit of a preview for the next podcast. I mentioned, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up something that is kind of a concern to me. 
as a Chiefs fan. And something that I think other Chiefs fans need to take note of with this franchise and something that's gone on with the franchise since 2010. I'll talk about that in the next podcast. Bit of a longer podcast than expected, but hey, uh, I've been told, hey, the longer the better, so I'm sure uh, you guys don't mind and uh, could even listen to it in multiple parts uh, throughout your week. Uh, That's the beauty of a podcast. As always, be sure you guys do subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Hit subscribe. A new episode will come out anytime it's available on your iTunes library. And also, like my Facebook page. Search for Farzine Vasugi and give it a like. And also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Big thanks for listening to the Chiefs on Podcast. I'm Farzine Vasugian. Be sure you interact with me on social media. Until then, I'll talk to you guys next week.